0: Gary Chuck,
1: host of Wine Library TV, a.k.a. WLTV, and this is BBQ Central. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, welcome
0: back. This portion of the show is being brought to you by Veterans Q. Yeah. Currently, they have two sauces, the original and the sweet heat, and two rubs, the chicken and the pork and beef, on the market, available for purchase right now. All great products. I have tested all of them. Delicious. Also, 100% of their profits are donated to credible veteran organizations. That's right. Steve Luloffs has been on this show before. We talked about that. Use code BBQ20, all one word capital on the BBQ. BBQ20 for 20% off your entire order. Again, that's discount code BBQ20 or BBQ20. And that's veteransq.com. All right, thanks again to Sam the Cooking Guy for joining me last segment. Uh, literally got to zero aside from the first question got to zero that I wanted to talk to. so we will be moving him to 1014 going forward and uh we will head to the second hour so very quickly stick around be right back Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we
2: grill because we want to. Hit me! Fine, how <laughs> do you
3: We have a great
1: show of a big fan. Boing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle.
2: Charbono, It's all about the Charbonneau, dude. Succulent fish. What?
3: We ate 50 before we ate So listen,
0: I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed.
1: <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Mm-hmm. Top
0: men. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. Welcome to the Barbecue Central Show. Doing it live here from 9 to 11 each Tuesday on podcast starting Wednesday, first hour, second hour on Thursday. Best of, I'll tell you about that here in a second. Still to come on this show this evening, Adrian Miller, the soul food scholar in about 10 minutes, Joe Pierce from Slaps Barbecue closing out the show. Again, don't forget you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram and Twitter slash BBQ Central Show on the Facebooks coming up this week on the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. Episode 84 taking you back to August 2014, so not that long ago. And I believe this was the first surfacing of my neighbor on the show. You know him as Neighbor Desmond. And we talked about, at that point, his recent attempt at the then Very, hugely, widely popular Ice Bucket Challenge. I believe he said it was very cold doing that Ice Bucket Challenge, but he did it. Also in this episode, you will hear what was probably the last and most recently recorded Pork Butt Roundtable. I don't remember doing any over the last few years, but of course, everything to me is two and three years ago. So if you're a fan of the barbecue round table style shows and those are typically the most downloaded shows no matter what or when they were done. You will want to make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast feed because that shows up uh, early in the morning on Friday. So this will be a good one to listen to. Neighbor Desmond surfacing talking about the ice bucket challenge and a pork butt round table for your enjoyment. Now. Here's some breaking news.
1: A Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update.
0: Greg Rampy back again here in the breaking news desk in Cleveland, Ohio. Did you hear the best news ever as it relates to music? Finally, after 345 years of holding it back from all streaming services ever. Tool has finally released their entire music catalog to all of us streamers to enjoy. I just found it yesterday. I've been checking every day for the past two weeks. I heard that it was going to happen sooner or later from the station I listen to on SiriusXM radio. Uh, That would be Turbo from their DJ Shannon Guns, who's the... Uh, I think she's West Coast, but for me, she's on like at 11 until 4 or something. So I guess that's the afternoon lady. Shannon Guns said that Tool was going to be releasing their music for stream. So when I checked yesterday, bam, there it was in all its gloriousness. Tool, you know, eulogy, sober, 46 and 2, Stink Fist, Vicarious, Schism, the list goes on and on. Personally, I use Spotify to stream my music, but I did see it on Apple Music as well. So if you use something besides those two platforms to stream music and you're a Tool fan, our long awaited wait is now over. And by the way, who doesn't like Tool? They're one of the most important bands in the early 90s to early 2000s, even present day, if we're going to talk about it in a rock and roll sense. Modern day rock, not classic. And the thing that always struck me as weird, as it relates to this whole streaming thing, the lead singer has other bands. For instance, A Perfect Circle, if you've ever heard of Perfect Circle. uh, Maynard who's the lead singer of Tools? also the lead singer of a Perfect Circle. And they've had their songs on streaming services since the beginning of streaming services. But the Tool catalog has been held back and held back. And after being questioned, the band said, hey, the Tool stuff needs to be heard in its entirety through the album. You can't just... Go through and snipe a song here. You need to experience the whole album from start to finish. And that's why they held it back for so long. However, they have a new album that is getting ready to come out very shortly. So it makes good business sense to let the old stuff out now build momentum for inevitably what will be a brand new Tool album. Whatever the case, I'm just giddy like a schoolgirl that it's finally out on the streaming services so I can make all of my 700 tool playlists that I will. I will make them available for you to follow on Spotify. I put them on Twitter. All you have to do is click the link and then you can add them into your Spotify tool playlist going on. Three or four have already made it into my running playlist that I uh, use to run to every morning. (laughs) Nobody's more happy. Maybe Stover. Harger the 14th might be as happy or a little bit happier than me because Tool is out, but man, oh man. If you, uh, uh, It's funny, the Backyard Barbecue Show is just mentioning it in the chat. If you've never seen them live, you are missing out. Talk about, you know, there are very few rock singers. Country singers seem to have it in spades mostly, but there are very few rock singers that are able to perform what I would say better live, sound better live than they do on their records. And Maynard is one of those rare rock exceptions who is absolutely exceptional live. Sounds killer. Really brings it. Voice doesn't wear out. He is a maniac in the best way possible when it comes to singing. So Tool, baby, get on Spotify, look up the artist tool, Follow them, add them to your artist playlist. You are rocking and rolling. Very happy to see that yesterday. Wanted to pass that along just in case you didn't. Just in case you were waiting for a Tool to start streaming and you didn't know when it was going to happen. It has happened, friends and Dave. Here's a listener email. Greg, I don't post often or participate in that chat much, but I just wanted to say that I appreciate what you do for the barbecue community and what a pleasure it is to listen to your show. Stay away from those punching dummies with anger management issues. And for what it's worth, boiled hot dogs are awesome. Eat that, Dougie. Best regards, Bob Genovario or Genovario. Bob, thank you for writing it. And most importantly, thank you for listening. I love when people listen to the show. Okay, there you got it. Now. We get ready for Adrian Miller. I wonder if Adrian Miller is excited that Tool is in the house. He might also be very excited to learn that Southside Market and Barbecue has been in business since 1882. The oldest barbecue joint in Texas, owned and operated by the same family for three generations. Offering premium Central Texas barbecue products, slow smoked over real wood, shipping distributing manufacturing sausages for companies across the U.S., from food trucks to multi-chain restaurants. Southside sausage can be on your menu, too. All meats are processed in the on-site USDA-inspected facility, a trusted partner with a focus on quality and authenticity. Wholesale options are available, by the way. They ship via nationwide FedEx, also through food, also preferred food service distribution channels like Cisco, U.S. Foods, and Martin Foods packaging capable from research development to package completion they can follow your recipe or help you develop something brand new from scratch private label opportunities are also available visit southsidemarket.com for more information and while you're on the website as you load that card up as you're checking out use promo code bbq central at checkout and get 10 percent off your entire online order each and every time you order bbq central for 10 percent off SouthsideMarket.com SouthsideMarket.com Adrian Miller on the backside Stick around, be right back
1: The only show giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue A man actually named Meathead The author of a barbecue bible Bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempy. All right, this
0: portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth if you want. And if you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, you're in luck because Fireboard fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. That's 816-945-2232. All right, my next guest is the Soul Food Scholar, continuing to do his food research, journeys taking him across the country, and he joins me now to talk about a variety of different topics this evening. So we head to the Fogo Charcoal Hotline as we do with each and every guest. Oh, and welcome back, Adrian Miller, to the show. Adrian, how are you, buddy? Good. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can't see you, but I can hear you. Hit the uh, hit the camera button there.
2: Yeah, that's what I thought I did. Oh. But... Hey, there he is. Handsome. See me. Look at that guy. All
0: right. All right, so here's Adrian Miller. We are back at it again. Is this your third time on the show now?
2: Yes, it is. All right,
0: great. So uh, we have a Even Baker's 3. And uh, look, I mean, you are widely considered, to, while you're not on all the time, when you show up, you're widely considered to be one of the more popular guests because uh, you like to tell it how it is, and uh, you're teaching us stuff, which we all love, or at least most of oh. us love. Uh, so cool. we got some stuff to cover tonight. Now, we have to start here. A couple months ago, I have a lady by the name of Evelyn Park on the show and we're talking about the release of who's going to make it into the Barbecue Hall of Fame. But previous to all of that talk, she's more than happy to start releasing names of board members and people that are voting. <laughs> Lo and behold, the son of a bitch's name, Adrian Miller's on it. <laughs> Daniel Vaughn's on it. I said, well, now how can this possibly be? that Adrian Miller is on this board and Daniel Vaughn is on the regular guests on this show and your boy has no way of getting into this barbecue hall of fame.
2: (laughs) How can you be arguing more passionately for anybody else besides me? Come on. Well, we don't want to capture your and celebrate your greatness (laughs) mid-career. I mean, you have so many years Ahead of you of I, awesomeness. I thought I was trending down. You want to cut that
0: off? I'm not trending down? You don't think that's right? I thought I was
2: trending I, down. I don't think. I think you're on the way up, bro. <laughs> all
0: right. I appreciate that. So uh, now, uh, as she was kind of released, so uh, first of all, let me back out for just a second as we are kidding here. I thought it was incredible that she brought to light pretty much uh, as transparent as you can get during that whole special episode of the barbecue central show. And I thought that did a lot of great things for anybody that thought it was suspect. Of course, I had been largely vocal on who's making a list, who's voting. Is it one person just unilaterally deciding who gets in and who doesn't. So for her to say, Hey, let's pull back this curtain. Let's show you everything was absolutely fantastic. So are you, uh, have you been on the, the board right along or are you a first year like some
2: of the other folks? Yeah, I'm first year. So I really only joined maybe uh, a month or so before mm. we uh, whittled down the list. And so that's one of the the things that I wanted to see. It was more transparency. Um, I thought it was important to at least announce the semifinalists publicly ahead of the announcing the finalists so at least those people can get some love even though they don't make it to the finalists. Yep. Um, and so I'm glad. I think we got a, a bounce. The Hall got a bounce out of that.
0: Did you, as you're pitching this, do you get any type of static or, or blowback saying we would rather not release these kinds of information to the public, or was everybody pretty receptive?
2: Everybody was pretty open to it. So uh, I thought I was going to get some pushback, but they were like, no, we, that's a good idea. And I think it helped that other, some of the other board members who had been there for a while said, no, no, we should do that, because other organizations like the James Beard Awards and others do something similar. So I immediately got some backup.
0: Adrian Miller joining me here on the show, by the way. AdrianMiller.com is website at Soul Food Scholar on social media if you want to check him out. When you look at who makes it in this year, you have uh, Dreamland Barbecue, Stubbs. You have uh, Wayne Monk from uh, Lexington Barbecue. Are you surprised to see, I guess, what some would consider a drastic swing from competitors to just restaurant folks at this point?
2: yeah you know we' got a lot of work to do to kind of round out the hall because I think it's competitor heavy, and uh, we want to show the broad, diverse world of barbecue so this was a first step, and uh, i'm going to be working with several of the committee members to to get some more of the kind of legacy and forgotten people in the hall you know there's some great barbecue pit masters from the 1800s that just nobody knows about except me because other people have a life yeah and they're not in the books all the time looking at this stuff. So we're going to work on uh, really creating a legacy class to uh, not only feature uh, competitors, but just restaurant people, kind of the loaned-out cooks, um, and the people of note in the past.
0: So as far as a a scope or a a vision of this Barbecue Hall of Fame, you do want it to be all-encompassing because... I think there was probably an unfair precedent set at the beginning, where you did see a lot of competition folks getting inducted, and uh, now this journey will be more of a, a well-rounded barbecue Hall of Fame.
2: Yeah, you know, and there were some head scratchers too. I mean, Henry Ford, Guy Fieri, you know. I, I just think uh,
0: can you can okay. you can we get Guy out? Like, can we vote him <laughs> out? Or no? no,
2: no, we'll leave the brother in. All right. Uh, you know, get some notability, but uh, notoriety. But uh, yeah, there's. there's a, I wanted to feature women. I want there's. There's really not enough representation from Latinx people, the Barbacoa world. There were some great pitmasters in California in the 1800s that no one knows about. So I'm hoping that over time we can tell their story.
0: All right, Adrian Miller joining me here on the show. So. Uh, Do you guys uh, meet frequently on like barbecue Hall of Fame stuff or are you pretty much like off for a certain period of time until you start to to re-go again?
2: Yeah, we're off for a certain period of time. I'm the one that's going to kind of lead the uh, effort to create this legacy class. So uh, as soon as I get my act together, we'll start meeting um, pretty soon here and and start working on that in anticipation of being ready to roll next uh, spring when we really start to put the – the candidates together who are going to be finalists.
0: When the uh, uh, like the time frames were set up, so uh, if you were on the list of nine this year, that list is wiped out completely. So three of them got in. The other six are wiped out completely. So they're going to have to get re-argued for in order to make it back on that short list of nine again for next year.
2: So that's one thing we have to talk about. Because in the past, mm. if you were nominated previously, you stayed on. Um, But I think in this effort to just have more uh, diversity and to get a wider range of people, I think we stepped away from that a little bit this year. So it might be something we return to next year. I think everything's on the table as we go forward. So we're going to have to think about that. Um, But, yeah.
0: Now, for, now. for, for names just being nominated, for instance, my name, if you get tossed in there, then those names hold for three years and then fall off. Right. Okay.
2: So it's uh, similar to kind of what they do in like a lot of athletic Hall of Fames. You know, you get in, you're considered, and if you don't get enough votes, then, you know, you just don't make it.
0: Got it. All right. Uh, that would never
2: happen to you. but you know, Hey, that, that
0: as you happens. said, I'm trending up, so there's no reason to, to put me in well before my time. Uh, I mean, right. uh, you know, Chris Lilly's in, and he's at the top of his game, but who's counting? Um, right. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was... I, mean, I I lose track of time. You were on a, a fairly extent I mean you're a, a a Colorado guy, right? I mean you live in Denver or around the Denver area, I believe.
2: Yeah, which immediately loses me all street cred on the subject of barbecue. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean if you start to look at where Colorado barbecue is specifically Denver, I mean there are few that probably rival the the quality of Colorado barbecue at this point, but you were on a fairly extensive trip, I think. Uh, Daniel Vaughn was kind of up there with you experiencing some of this. So tell us a little bit about the trip and what you're finding that uh, evolution of Colorado barbecue being.
2: Yeah, so uh, first of all, Daniel Vaughn is a a freak of nature, man. You you need to go on a barbecue crawl with him. It is amazing. (laughs) Uh, We covered about, I don't know, eight joints in Denver area. Uh, One thing that's happening in Denver, and I'm sure it's happening in other parts of the country, most of the better places that are opening up have a strong Texas vibe. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you're not getting a lot of Kansas City places, North Carolina style. Um, and, you know, I-, I wish there was just more kind of a, a represent broader representation of the barbecue world. Uh, but I-, I think he was pleased with the Denver scene more than he expected. Um, in fact, when he left, he said, you know what? You- you've got three or four really good places here. And one place that I love is called Roaming Buffalo Barbecue. Mm. And when Daniel ate there, he said, this really feels like Colorado barbecue because – they're the only place that serves lamb and bison, in addition to all the other kind of standard meats that you see on a menu.
0: Is that really native to Colorado then?
2: Yeah, man. We used to be known for lamb, especially. So if you go to an old school but- butcher who knows what he's talking about and you ask for a Denver rack, you're gonna get lamb ribs. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Now- and so for some reason we got it we got away from it in the nineteen fifties, and I don't know if that's just because consumers never really caught on to the taste of lamb because it's not for everyone, but um, I just think there's some there's a regional style just waiting to be created.
0: So uh, Michael Simon's barbecue joint here in Cleveland, which is Mabel's Barbecue, has you know the the standard fare. Uh, he calls it Cleveland style barbecue, but there is a lot of Texas influence there, whether he wants to admit it or not. There's some Cleveland stuff like the mustard-based sauce is a mustard that's based here in Cleveland, and one of the okay. Uh, cracklin' dip is a uh, French onion dip that's made here in Cleveland, but I don't think there's a Cleveland style of barbecue per se. And I think uh, Daniel Vaughn echoes those sentiments. However, he does have lamb ribs that are on the menu and they're absolutely spectacular. And I was, I was kind of off or I lamb was never on my radar until Uh February of this year. Then I had rack of lamb when I was in Louisville, Kentucky at the home of the guys that own pit barrel cooker. And he cooked me a rack of lamb and it, it, it changed my life it was one of the best things i've ever eaten and Dang. now i'm okay. all about rack of lamb and lamb ribs and you know a leg of lamb uh, i'm not so much into that mutton uh, stuff uh okay. per se but you know the right. the younger lamb i mean i'm I'm all about it so uh, i'm surprised or is it as you travel around like do you see that fairly prevalently in restaurants or no
2: No, I really don't. I mean, the only place that I've ever had lamb in two places, at uh, Charlie Virgos' Rendezvous Mm -hmm. in Memphis, he's got lamb, and then uh, Gates' Barbecue in Kansas City. Really? Had lamb. Lamb ribs? Those are two places I've seen it.
0: They had lamb ribs at Gates? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. lamb ribs. Yeah. All right. Well, you can add Mabel's to that list if you ever – well, by the way, uh, we can talk about it now. You are kind of on your way-ish to do an appearance in Ohio.
2: Yes. So I'm going to be at the Rutherford B. Hayes Presidential Center uh, the first weekend in October for a presidential film and literary uh, celebration. It's a festival. So I'm going to be one of the speakers talking about my book on Black Chefs in the White House. And so since I'm in the area, kind of, I'm going to be in Fremont, Ohio. I'm going to head on up to uh, Cleveland uh, because in my book on Black Barbecue, I really want to include Hot Sauce Williams.
0: Uh, bad news. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can take you by what used to be Hot Sauce Williams on Carnegie.
2: <laughs> oh, it's all of them are
0: closed? Uh, I'm wondering if that one in uh, Shaker, around that uh, Shaker University. Uh, I'll do a okay. little digging tomorrow, and, and but the uh, the original one uh, shut down uh, well over a year ago. It's getting uh, reissued as uh, Angie's Soul Food Cafe, but it's not going to be uh, Hot Sauce. But I'll, I'll double check on the other location. Uh, okay. just to make sure so we can visit that for sure uh okay. if it's still open and then you know we we should go to to Mabel's and get some of those lamb ribs and uh yeah. you know we can we can figure out some some places to go but I mean that's a, a little bit of a hike now free no, yeah, no, to I'm, uh to I'm, Cleveland
2: no that's all for the sake of barbecue research man so I'm all about it
0: all right no doubt so um let's talk a little bit then about the book uh that you're gonna be promoting over there tell us a little bit about it.
2: Yeah, so the President's Kitchen Cabinet is a history of the black chefs in the White House. And what I found out is that every president has had an African-American cooking for them in some capacity, all the way from George Washington to President Trump. Uh, In fact, President Trump has three African-Americans cooking for him right now. Word on the street is that they're very good at making fast food. That's just the word on the street. But, uh, yeah, so I talk about the people that run the residence. Uh, I talk about the cooks in the presidential kitchen. What happens when the president travels, and also what happens when the president goes someplace and stays for a while? Usually, uh, in our history, black cooks were loaned to the president when they would stay someplace um, and got them hooked on southern food and barbecue and that kind of stuff. Um, and I talk about what happens when the president try to tries to get their drink on, because that's something they try to hide from the American people. And usually, the African American butlers were in charge of making the drinks. And then I just talk about what's the future of uh, African-American presidential chefs. Um, it's not a future that's closed because whoever's president, if they want to pick somebody to be their chef, they're the chef. If I was president and I wanted you to be my chef yes. and you agreed, you're the White House chef.
0: Oh, so it's that uh, it's that easy to usurp whoever is currently in there. They're not on some type of a term and then they just phase out.
2: Now, the only one that usually sweats it is the executive chef. They're the ones that are usually bounced out. But the assistant chefs, and there's usually anywhere from three to five in the kitchen they pretty much stay from administration to administration
0: so how i mean is your research uh, current right up to, to the 2019
2: ish uh, the book ends with the obamas because that's just yeah. uh, you know i had to turn the book in but i continue to research so i have tried to learn more about the people on staff now but man it's hard to it's hard to get through
0: so how do you how do you get context? are your people in i mean i don't want you to give up any sources of course but of like are you talking with people that are inside Uh, the building per se? Uh,
2: No. So usually I get to talk, I talk to people who have just recently left. Hmm. Uh, So recent alums of the kitchen um, and and not everybody wants to talk now. So um, the ones that do, they usually give me a lot of info.
0: So do you, how, so if I come out, if I got, uh, you know, let go or, uh, you know, replaced and now I'm come out, F that, you know, I should still be in there. I'm going to call up my man, Adrian and, you know, vent off, from your aspect, what what is the vetting process to make sure that I'm just not grinding an ax?
2: Right. So what I try to do is confirm with the White House personnel office that you actually uh, work there. And um, there's been much more interest in the White House food story lately. So chances are that if you work there, you probably will pop up in a story or two or there will be a picture of you or two of you. So I, I You know, I just bet that. And then I talked to other White House chefs and I'm like, okay, this kind of makes sense. This probably did happen. Because there have been books published where people are just making up stuff Hmm. and nobody vetted it. Because I talked to staffers and they're like, yeah, that book is just so full of crap.
0: And there's nothing. How did
2: that get published? And they just like, nobody ever checks.
0: Well, I was going to say, like, nobody ever checks and, and calls it a phony. Right. Wow. Uh, Adrian Miller joining me here on the show, AdrianMiller.com's website at Soul Food Scholar on the social media. So what does it speak to uh, from a, a societal view or, uh, you know, whatever? That-
2: well, uh, so the reason why I wrote this book is because I think uh, we as Americans, we desire a connection with our president. And food can be a window on the presidential soul. Sure. So throughout our history, if a president liked foreign food or fancy food, we were always distrustful at that person because they just seemed elitist. Uh, but a president who loves the food of their childhood, comfort food, fast food, we're like, OK, that person's all right. They understand me. And, and and the politicians that have really succeeded have often used food as a way to connect and show that they have the common touch. Is
0: it, is it authentic, though, or you think they're just playing it up?
2: Uh for the most part I think they really did lo- it was authentic I think they truly loved the food that they ate um there was only a few presidents that were faking the funk mm. uh in the sense that they really liked fancy food but they tried to pass it off that they liked the you know the the everyday foods of the common people
0: So obviously having black cooks in the kitchens you know back in George Washington I mean that's not going to be very uncommon given the uh, situations back then but as you look at it now I mean are they are African Americans still in the the kitchen cabinets, if you will, because they just deserve to be there, and it's uh, they're just earning the stripes? Or is there some type of a of a uh, an aesthetic to have African Americans in the kitchen at the White House?
2: Yeah. So it really changes during the Kennedy administration. So before Jacqueline the Kennedys come in, and Jacqueline Kennedy's in in charge of kind of the staff of the kitchen. Uh, African Americans dominated the White House staff, particularly African American women. But Jacqueline Kennedy wants to classy things up in the White House, and so she wants to move to having European-trained uh, chefs. And so African Americans just didn't have that experience. So it's really during the Kennedy administration that you start to see the, the gradual phasing out of African American chefs to the point where once they dominated to now there's just a few on the staff. Mm. Um, and typically how you get in the White House kitchen these days is you know someone.
0: So maybe you were a chef of whoever is currently the president in, in some form or fashion, or you were eating at a golf club or a restaurant that they were the executive at. And now you're going to kind of follow them in,
2: right? Or you have a friend who's already working in the White House, and you worked with that person at a restaurant or a hotel, uh-huh. and they say, "Oh, look, this is going to be posted pretty soon. You need to apply for this," and then um, you know you got you got the jump on it. So that's that's how a lot of the uh, most of the White House chefs now. Are, uh, have hotel experience because pretty much the White House is run like a boutique hotel or they're military cooks.
0: Have you ever been I'm in the White
2: know. House? Yeah, I worked there. I worked for President Oh my Clinton. God,
0: of course. Sorry about yeah.
2: that. Shame no, on no, no, you. Oh I was not an intern. I just want to say that. <laughs> I want
0: to so, like, what, what's your personal take on the White House? Like, what's it like to be in there?
2: Oh man, it is just the. It's just, it's just unworldly. Um, okay, I, I don't know if you ever watched the show The West Wing. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it's not as frenetic uh, a pace as The West Wing <laughs> shows. But uh, it's just a special place. It's historic. Uh, you, you realize that some of the most important decisions in the world are being made, and you're there with top notch people. There's a lot of energy around the place. And um, my office was in the old executive office building, uh, which is immediately west of the White House, but I would go into the White House for meetings. And man, you just had that sense of history. It's next level.
0: Is it? I mean, is it always a constant energy there? Like, if even if you're feeling down, once you get into the environment, it's like boom, you're up and you're ready to rock and roll.
2: Yeah, yeah, because you just realize, yeah. uh, and it, it always goes faster than you ever wanted it to. But you realize where you are, even when you're in the you know the grimiest situation where you're doing just grunt work or whatever, and and pushing through on something or going through a difficult situation politically. Uh, you realize that, hey, I'm in a very special place, and I've been entrusted to do the work for the American people. And that pushes you through.
0: Adrian Miller joining me here on the show. He is at AdrianMiller.com. He's going to be in Fremont coming in the beginning of October, and uh, we'll be doing a little barbecue journey as he uh, heads a little further east into Cleveland. So looking forward to that. Uh, in the meantime, you can also follow him on social media at Soul Food Scholar. Anything uh, else before I let you go here tonight, Adrian?
2: Yeah, I'm just asking you. I heard that there's a kosher barbecue place in Cleveland. Have you heard about that?
0: Kosher barbecue?
2: Yeah, that's what I heard. Mm. Some dude doing brisket or something like that.
0: Uh, it's not jumping off the top of my head, but I think okay. I might have a couple ideas that I can vet out with the Cleveland scene food guy, and we
2: can figure that out, too. For okay, sure. man, if you can just put that on the stop yep, Make that it. one of the stops, that'd be great
0: Alright, uh, here's Adrian Miller, thanks so much for coming on, pal Alright, peace There he is Of course, I remember he worked in the White House Who who would forget that? Uh-oh <laughs> Let's lose credibility as quickly as possible Hey, Adrian, uh, have you ever been in the White House? You mean the one I worked at?
1: <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, that one yeah, I forgot. Yeah, that one. Yeah, sure. No problem. Alright, uh Joe Pierce coming up out of the break. Let me get him uh ready to rock on the Skype. Let me talk to you quickly about Hartville Hardware, the Grill Fest 2019 coming up September twenty-first, twenty nineteen, all day long. Traeger Grills Demo Talent. Danielle Bennett, Diva Q. She will be there doing live demos on the Traeger. No word on the Weber rep yet. And currently slotted on the Big Green Egg is Lisa Delgado, a local Cleveland chef here. Also private chef for some of the rich folk and some of the elite athletes. Kind of like a Jack Arnold, per se, over here in Cleveland doing that thing. It will start at 10 a.m. I will be there probably around 8.30, getting schooled on any specifics Then at 10 a.m., we'll turn the mic hot, and away we go. We'll answer your questions. There's a huge, the biggest hardware store in the world is right there in Hartville, Ohio. They have a huge cooking area outside. They also have a huge grilling and barbecue area that has a number of different cookers and grills in it, a huge amount of accessories. So if you're going to be in the greater Cleveland area on September 21st and you're looking for something to do barbecue and grilling-related, The Hartville Hardware Grill Fest 2019 is what you're going to want to do. And as a benefit, you'll see me emceeing the whole event all day, like through 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Spare rib competition that I'll be judging as well. Can't wait to try that. HartvilleHardware.com. That's HartvilleHardware.com. And we are back with Joe Pierce from Slaps Barbecue. Stick around. Be right back.
1: Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey.
0: And this portion of the show being brought to you by Smithfield. Are you signed up for the Smoking with Smithfield National Barbecue Championship? Well, registration is free, number one. You better do that today. Because if you're not, you can't be ranked against all the other competitive barbecue teams across the country for the Smithfield National Barbecue Championship Leaderboard. We all know that finals taking place in November in... uh... Christ. New Orleans. Hello. That's right. com is the place to go to get registered. All right. Joining me now out of the bullpen to help close the show is the guy that runs one of the best barbecue joints, perhaps the best barbecue joint in Kansas City. It is Joe Pierce from Slaps or Squeal Like a Pig. Joe, how are you, buddy?
3: I'm good, Greg. Good to see you, buddy.
0: Good to see you, too. So uh, Joe, by the way, if he looks absolutely familiar, was just on the TV this past Thursday on Barbecue Brawl. There he was that's that oh it's that guy yeah yeah uh before we get into tv uh talk to me a little bit about the restaurant and where we're at on the uh day-to-day ops of slaps barbecue
3: yeah no we are uh we are having an absolute blast every day seems busier than the next and um we uh we've grown oh so much in the last year and um we have a giant patio since you've been there. You haven't seen that since no. you've come in. Nice. Big 70C outdoor patio, and we're actually putting a uh, rooftop deck uh, onto one of the buildings as well. So we're going to be able to oversee the downtown skyline, and that's in the process of being built now um, and should be done here in the next 30 days, I hope. So, uh, so yeah, a lot of good stuff happening at Slaps Barbecue and cooking a lot of competitions and Traveling a little bit and having a fun time with it.
0: Joe, I had Mitch Benjamin on last week. Uh, He's opening up another barbecue restaurant uh, under the Meat Mitch brand. So you know, when you survey the amount of barbecue restaurants that are in Kansas City, he seemed to think that there was no problem with Kansas City supporting as many that want to open and try and make it. Are you under the same idea or or mindset there, or can it get saturated?
3: No, I think think Kansas City can hold a, a few more barbecue restaurants, especially one of, you know, Mitch's caliber. I mean, that guy's a phenomenal cook and got a great line of products and, uh, I wouldn't expect anything, but you know, great food from him, but you know, Kansas city has a, a a rich culture of barbecue. And, uh, it's really fun to, I'll be honest with you. I uh, ordered, uh, Joe's Kansas city barbecue today because they have it, uh, on a like Uber Eats app and so we were interested to see how that gets delivered and how yep. fast that gets delivered and yep. uh man, it was it was pretty good food it always is and so um you know a little research and development there uh, my brother and I always do that about uh, probably once or twice a month we'll go out and and uh, eat at one of the local establishments just to make sure we're staying relevant and not doing anything too off-the-wall barbecue-related. And uh, sometimes we get some good ideas, and sometimes we're like, you know what? Our stuff's pretty good. (laughs) So from from an Uber
0: Eats standpoint, is that something that you would look into, or do you like to keep control of it in-house more than you'd like to let it go?
3: Yeah, we definitely want to keep it in-house. We are a first-come, first-served basis. We've been since we've opened. Um, We actually have a sign on the window saying, hey, if you're with... Uber Eats, DoorDash, Postmates, uh, whatever it is, uh, you know, we don't have your order ready. Stand in line, and uh, hopefully, <laughs> you can get what your customer ordered. Um, and our lines are getting longer, and longer, and longer. So we we see a bunch of those people with the DoorDash bags uh, stand there for about ten minutes and then wow. give up and, and go away. And uh, that's part of the business, man. We know we know we're going to lose a few people. And uh, on a like on a Tuesday today, we had when we opened, we had about 150 people in line wow. waiting for food. What? Uh, and it stayed that way for, for a couple hours. So, um, you know, we move them as fast as we can and we're constantly trying to, um, you know, expedite that problem. And my brother's doing an awesome job with the, uh, operation side of slaps and, and, uh, really streamlining some few things, and I'm taking you know as much publicity as I can to grow the business and, and keep us moving forward, and, and we're having a lot of fun time doing it.
0: All right, Joe, so this is going to be an incredibly uncomfortable conversation, but I want to have it with you here. <laughs> uh, this isn't the TV thing yet either. We're going to be leading into that. Um, okay. From a restaurant owner standpoint, uh, my Oklahoma sure. embedded correspondent was through your doors yesterday, and he yep. sent me a message, and he said, Jesus Christ, I don't know how to say this but I was incredibly disappointed with what I had at Slaps. And I said, hmm. well, okay, David, did you find Joe or his brother yeah. or somebody else there and say, hey, this didn't meet my expectation? And he said, oh, Joe looked busy and I didn't want to intrude and blah, blah, blah. So let me sure. ask you, uh, holding that it was you know, somebody that I know, which is irrelevant, yeah. but reached out to me and told me about it. As a guy who owns the business or is a co-owner with yeah. your brother of the business, is this something that you want to know about or would you rather live with your head in the sand?
3: Oh no, we, uh, we want to know about every single customer that comes in and you know, it it is unfortunate that people have different expectations and what they get sometimes. And, um, we try to serve the best food that we can every day. Um, I interested to know what time the guy came in so I can try to figure out who was working at that time to see what they served and what they got and stuff like that. But, um, you know, uh, everybody is a critic in the restaurant world, uh, especially in Kansas City. And uh, you know, this guy from Oklahoma probably knows a little bit about barbecue too. So uh, that's unfortunate when that happens. Um, but you know, not- it does happen. I, I I would say that our food is great every day. Um, but uh, there are, there are days that uh, we we miss some protocols that are in place, and and we strive every single day to make sure our food is great. And Unfortunately, you know, we are all human beings and sometimes that happens. And, uh, we get enough good reviews that it doesn't, doesn't scare me too often. Uh, if we get consistently, uh, a couple, you know, bad reviews on Facebook or Yelp or whatnot, we, uh, we literally jump into action minute by minute. And we have notifications that go off constantly every day, all day. So we see when those are coming in and, uh, the most common thing we get is, you know, um, somebody missing a fried side or they didn't get, uh, pickles or, or they, they ordered two sandwiches and only got one. So, um, we, we jump on all those right away, but when it's food quality, we take it pretty serious. And for the last uh, five years, I've been charged of making sure the food is as good as it can be every day. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I'm in there every morning, taste testing and watching and looking and, uh, sometimes yelling at our pit masters and sometimes telling them really good job. So, Uh, It's a daily battle, and I think every restaurant has the goods, the bads, and the uglies, and that's something you got to take in stride, and hopefully the next day you can be better.
0: But it is something that you would want to know about versus not knowing about in the end.
3: Oh, absolutely, without a doubt.
0: Okay, Joe Pierce joining me here on the show from uh, Slaps, Wheel Like a Pig Uh, BBQ, slapsbbqkc.com because he's in Kansas City. Now we can have the weird conversation about (laughs) uh, being... So, are you team? Were you team Bobby or, or Michael? I got confused there in the open.
3: I was team Bobby. I was okay. first pick, right? Uh, which was a lot of fun. And uh, you know, I've known Michael Simon since we did Burgers, Brew, and Q in Kansas City, and uh, we've kind of stayed in touch and, and had a little bit relationship with there. He actually invited us have to um, go to his opening in maybills when he did that in, in cleveland and uh, i believe it was in cleveland um, but oh, you uh, mean the
0: the invitation i didn't get because i live in cleveland yeah i don't remember <laughs> that right. i don't remember right.
3: that yeah um, but you know so we've had a really good kind of text messaging text messaging relationship with him and and uh so I was really kind of hoping to be on team Michael and we obviously made that connection right away when we got there and and talked and caught up on business and stuff like that and uh, unfortunately, I cooked really good in the uh, 30 minute challenge and you know had the had the best one bite of food and and Bobby saw that and took advantage of it and and uh, so you know kind of moved on from there but it was a lot of fun It was a lot of fun for sure.
0: Let's back out of the show just for a second. So how were you approached originally to be part of this and did you see it? as a more of a way to get slap's name from the business out or to showcase how good of a cook you are or both.
3: Oh man, I'm I'm as you could tell from the show I'm not a great cook, but uh <laughs> 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 All right, no. So we were approached pretty late in the game. There was uh they were told we were told that there was like 80 people being considered for the show and uh, wow. would we even consider it. And my first instinct was, um, you know, if it's not barbecue related, no, I really don't want to be on it. We've, we've turned down chopped, we've turned down chopped grill masters. Um, you know, we've been approached by beat Bobby Flay and guys, grocery games and stuff like that. And unfortunately I'm not that skilled on the chef style of cooking. Um, I, I, have a little bit of information, but, uh, it's more of what I can do in the kitchen by myself behind closed doors and I can make it a hundred times before it's right. Um, so, uh, you know, we were, we were told that it was a very barbecue related show. Um, and when we got there, it it wasn't that it's not barbecue related. Um, but there was definitely that chefy style, um, feel to having to create dishes off the top of your head. And so as I was preparing for the show before I even knew if we were going to be on it or not, um, I would literally just go to the grocery store and pick out and try to make a meal out of it, and and so I spent about a month being really creative uh, mm. in the kitchen and and working through some stuff. And you know, I had an arsenal of recipes that I wanted to cook. And when you get there, you have uh, ten seconds to make up your mind. Uh, and you know, I thought I had a couple good ideas and a couple bad ideas, and and you know, obviously we we didn't move on, but. um, man, I, I had good food. There's no doubt about that. And, and, uh, I, I, I tried my hardest for sure. Made a couple mistakes on how, how I finished, uh, the second meal, but, uh, man, the, the ribeye cap slider that I made per, Michael said was maybe the best bite of food he had that yep. whole day. So, uh, that was, that was pretty cool. You know, it was, it was pretty solid
0: when you show up and you see the other competitors, like what are yeah. some of your thoughts? Are you like, wow. I mean, they just keep turning out some of the same folks, no matter what freaking barbecue thing is on television, or some people are like, well, who's that person? I mean, some of the people you obviously know, but uh, I'm just wondering what your take is on the competitors.
3: Yeah, you know, we, we I had no idea who was going to be on the show at all. Um, I was so focused that we, we ended up filming this in February, and uh, it was right around the same time as the KCBS World Invitational, so I was... Um, focused on that competition that whole entire week, week and a half up to uh, that content or up to the filming. And so I literally got called um, Friday night of the KCBS World Invitational and said, hey, uh, you got to be in uh, Austin, Texas tomorrow at that ranch. And uh, I said, well, I hope hope you know that I have to cook until about one thirty, and then I'll pack up my stuff and then I'll get on a plane and I can be there as soon as possible. Um, and they said, yeah, that's absolutely fine. So Um, I cooked the whole contest. We did pretty good. We finished top 10 down there. Um, uh, got on a plane, flew to Austin. My brother flew down to little rock, drove my truck and trailer home, which broke on the way home, which was never fun. But, uh, he ended up getting it home. I got to Austin and and we filmed the show and Sunday morning, uh, we were told to meet in the, uh, the lobby. And the first person I see was, was Tuffy, And, uh, I embraced him like an old friend and they're like, no, 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 you can't talk to anybody. I'm like, well, <laughs> I've, 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 known Tuffy for like six years. Uh, we're, we're pretty good friends. Okay. We won't talk. And then, um, I saw Leanne, Lanay, um, Susie, I actually knew Susie Bullock from Hey Girl. Hey, I, I knew from, um, she came in and did a food tour of slaps during huh. the Royal, maybe three or four years ago. Nice. Um, and so uh, I recognized her before she recognized me, and then, as we started talking, she was like oh that 's where I know you. I hate now that you 're here because you 're a really good cook <laughs> and i said Ooh, i don 't know, but um, you know somebody like her on the show makes sense. She has millions of followers on social media and, and a pretty big name in the backyard barbecue world and and uh you know gets to she has such a better knowledge on recipes than i do i mean that's all she does is make different recipes every day for for facebook and and social media channels and so i felt immediately outgunned when it came to being creative with people like tuffy who's a classically changed french chef and uh who's been on chopped and other tv shows and leanne who's had a bunch of restaurants and then Susie and phil and and kevin all these guys that are You know, I was like, "Oh man, maybe I'm the maybe I'm the low man on the totem pole." Well, let me ask you, Joe. I uh, I mean, I only cook competition barbecue.
0: It's being billed as, you know, the best grill masters and and barbecuers out there today. Are are they? I mean, some. I mean, you know, nobody's going to discount Tuffy, of course. I mean, hold him off to the side if he's won everything that ever counts. Um, Right? Has he won Houston? Rodeo, maybe not Houston. I mean, other than that, I mean, for from the barbecue standpoint, that we kind of KCBS guys all know and love. He's won everything at least once, Um, sure. And then uh, you know, you're a a fairly accomplished KCBS cook. Um, Mm -hmm. But you know, once you start to, if we're talking, if we're billing people as the best, I mean, do they have the right folks there? Who would you put in place otherwise?
3: You know, I think everybody on that show, um, if they devoted. full-time to kcbs competitions they they'd be top 10 in the country at some point in their career i think really they're those oh i think so i think they're top top chefs i think anybody can anybody with the attention to detail that we had on that show i think can can succeed and and get to the top um you know but it's it's a different beast you know you're you're creating You're spending so much time, effort, and money into cooking four perfect categories. You don't have to be super creative. You just have to recreate it week in and week out and make sure your tenderness and flavors are perfect. So I I think anybody can do that uh, with the right attention to detail. So um, I think all the guys on the show and gals on the show are are top-notch cooks, and I think they represent barbecue really, really well.
0: All right, uh, Joe Pierce joining me here on the show. So as you uh, get through the second challenge and, uh, you know, it's you and, and Tuffy, uh, I'm, I'm literally yelling at my television Thursday, i like, are you telling me that Joe Pierce and Tuffy Stone are the two that are, <laughs> one of them is going to get eliminated? I mean, it was completely unfathomable to me at that point. Yeah. I had my own thoughts on who I thought was going to be going, and that's, of course, the magic of editing and sure. leading you down one road and, and taking you down another. But, uh, I, I mean, where does the... Disappointment rank amongst you know other things that have happened. Like, is it the oh, most man, it embarrassing was, thing, it, or is it like hurt really bad, or like no big deal? I mean, it was fun to be on, and, and now we're done with it.
3: You know, it, I don't know if it's embarrassing. It's a definitely disappointing. Um, looking back at how they presented my dish and what I did, um, you know, they're not out to break anybody's heart. They're not out to make anybody look like a complete fool, and and I don't think my dish was one of those dishes that could have been made to look like a complete fool i mean i nailed texture tenderness and lacked a little bit of taste and um you know so disappointing that i didn't move on you never want to be the first one out um but it it was a fun experience and uh, I don't know if I would tell you right now that I would go back and do it again. Ah, um, you know what my next question was going to be. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I don't know if I would tell you that if, if they signed me up today or c- approach me today, if I would go back and do it next week, I, I I don't know. Um, really depends on my schedule. I got too much going on right now with the restaurant and and competitions and, and, uh, other projects we're working on to, uh, to really jump away for a couple weeks. But, um, man, it was a fun experience. And, it was completely different than Pitmasters when I did that show. Um, it was way more creative and you had to think on your feet and and work through a recipe and work through a process. And um, you know that that's a lot of fun to me, challenging myself on that side of stuff. but uh, but I think all in all, I'm trying to figure out if you take a team that or a person that cooked food perfectly or not cooking food perfectly is really what kind of caught me up at the end of the day. Am I going to take flavor and taste uh, over execution? I don't know. The judges chose flavor and and that's their prerogative and that's okay. And I think if I was in that other situation, I would have probably chose execution on being able to cook a meat pretty well. But at the end of the day, uh, politics aside, if you had to pick between keeping Tuffy stone and Joe Pierce, Who are you going to keep? Probably Tuffy. All day, every day. And he probably deserves to move fast that first round more than I do. So...
0: All right, uh, Joe Pierce is joining me here on the show. We're breaking down his time on Barbecue Brawl, which airs Thursday at 9 p.m. on the Food Network, and they do not support this show or sponsor it. I'm just letting you know that. <laughs> and uh, in the meantime, <coughs> do support Joe Pierce's restaurant right there in Kansas City, SlapsBBQKC.com. If you're going to be swinging through town, it is one of the most if not the most recommend, uh, recommended places to stop by and grab your slice of Kansas City barbecue. And as someone who has stopped by and had the burnt ends and the ribs and the turkey and the sides, I mean, it's absolutely spectacular. I mean, Joe, you're doing a great job out there. So a uh, continued success. Uh, are you on board for the Smithfield National Barbecue Championship? Like you're signed up and trying to get into that deal?
3: I have 100% signed up. Yeah. Um, you know, our big sponsor for this year is Prairie Fresh. So there's some com- uh, colliding brands yeah. there. Yeah. Um, I got permission to sign up for it. And uh, I think Prairie Fresh would love to have one of their main <laughs> four teams uh, win the Smithfield National Championship. Uh, <laughs> I think that would be a blast. But um, I have nothing against. Uh, any company you know we're just uh, we're, we're cooking prairie fresh product right now and it happens to be what we've cooked for a very long time and mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a high standard and great marbling and, and we love it for pork
0: alright uh, Joe appreciate the time my friend thanks so much no problem Greg thanks a lot you got it there he is Joe Pierce from slaps man uh, not ducking questions either how about that love it Uh-oh. I'm like, uh, let's have an uncomfortable conversation. You think we am going to be talking about television? Meanwhile, I'm going to be like, oh, David Huff was in there, and he was like, eh. He didn't dug it. I said, hey, man, tell him, right? I mean, if you're going anywhere else, you would probably tell somebody that my experience was a little lackluster. Here's why. What do you think? I don't know. All right, uh, let me talk to you one last time before we wrap it up here about The Smoke Sheet. You know The Smoke Sheet, right? It's a free weekly newsletter that keeps you in the know on everything happening in the barbecue world, including top news, events, recipes, and more. Started by Ryan Cooper, a.k.a. Barbecue Tourist on social media, and Sean Ludwig, a.k.a. NYCBBQ. On social media, both of them travel around the country to find the best barbecue and then report on it. You can sign up for the newsletter and see the full events at their barbecue calendar. Go to BBQNewsletter.com. That's BBQNewsletter.com, a great all-in-one resource covering the live fire industry. And we're back to wrap the second hour right after this.
1: Barbecue. Digital. Whole Packers. Full racks. Legs and thighs. Injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy All
0: right, welcome back. As we get ready to wrap it up here, thanks again to Joe Pierce from Slap's squeal like a pig barbecue if you're going to be in kansas city make sure you stop by also take the tour joe's kansas city he said they ordered it in meet mitch's place and the new place plow boys is out there todd johns you got the old standbys which i've heard are, eh. q39 is out there a big barbecue place out there. I didn't know if if you knew that Kansas City is a barbecue mecca. It's a barbecue mecca. One of the the few places I've actually been to, if you can believe it. All the way back in the first hour, we talked with Malcolm Reed. He's got a fish recipe coming up Thursday that you might want to check out, Red Snapper. Then we talked with Sam the Cooking Guy about nothing that I wanted to talk about. He has a children's book in the can. The Magic Spatula, I believe you said was the name. Somehow we got hung up on Meet Mitch's gross sales, and it spiraled downward from there. We are moving him to the 1014. And maybe just the second hour. All together. That way we have enough room to get loose. Second hour Adrian Miller, the Soul Food Scholar, was back in. Always enjoyed conversation with him. Talked about his. Colorado barbecue journey with Daniel Vaughn. He's going to be in Fremont, Ohio, coming the first part of October, talking about his uh, new book. And we close it out with Joe Pierce. Come on now. Joe Pierce from Slaps Barbecue. Big show planned for you next week. Of course, Meathead is in. It's the second Tuesday, amongst some other guests already locked in. It's September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Till next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American Greg Repi. Good night now.